0: This is the second part of Ambassador Carl Eikenberry's secret cable to Hillary Clinton on November 9th, when he discusses the advisability, or the inadvisability, of sending thirty to 40,000 troops immediately to Afghanistan. It's a secret cable. The subject is looking beyond counterinsurgency in Afghanistan. His recommendation. Hence, we recommend a comprehensive, deliberate, and interdisciplinary re-examination of our strategic options carried out by the end of the year to decide how best to accomplish the President's March twenty-seventh strategy. This should go beyond a war game or red team exercise, yet not become a months-long Baker-Hamilton-style commission for Afghanistan and Pakistan. Rather, the White House could appoint a panel of civilian and military experts to examine the Afghanistan-Pakistan strategy and the full range of options. It could include eminent bipartisan political figures such as former senior U.S. government and congressional leaders. Among the issues this panel should examine are the potential that a reintegration reconciliation program has for taking insurgents off the battlefield, the only approach holding attraction for Karzai and the mass of Afghans, the prospects for the Pakistan security services putting meaningful pressure against the Afghan Taliban, the insurgent sanctuaries and leadership, and al-Qaeda the impact of increasing U.S. and international aid and development programs on long-term stability in Afghanistan and Pakistan, the second- and third-order effects within Afghanistan and the region of sending more U.S. troops— the U.S. and Allied willingness to bear the cost in lives and treasure over the timeline in the ISAF proposal, and whether our definition of the strategic problem in purely military terms of counterinsurgency within Afghanistan is sufficient to address the President's strategic focus on al-Qaeda with both Afghanistan and Pakistan. This strategic re-examination could either include or lead to high-level U.S. talks with the Afghans, the Pakistanis, the Saudis, and other important regional players, including possibly Iran, as well as NATO, its component nations, and even the United Nations. Such a process of rigorous internal U.S. government deliberations leading to deeper political-military consultations with our allies and other stakeholders could powerfully build support at home and abroad for the President's eventual decisions about the way forward. The Risks McChrystal has laid out the risk we face in not sending the full complement of additional troops right now. But there are competing risks. For example that we will become more deeply engaged here with no way to extricate ourselves, short of allowing the country to descend again into lawlessness and chaos. Also, the demand for U.S. and allied civilian efforts in Afghanistan will only grow with the deployment of large numbers of additional U.S. troops. To mitigate such countervailing risks, I believe there is no option but to widen the scope of our analysis to consider alternatives beyond a strictly military counterinsurgency effort with Afghanistan. Respectfully, Carl Eikenberry. Okay, it's being reported now by the uh, Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. That's the organization that's got 31 of the, the largest economies in the world as the membership. It's a big economic heavyweight body, okay? okay? They say now the longer a person is unemployed, the harder it is typically to gain back paid employment. Then this threatens to mark whole generations, says the Organization for Economic mm-hmm. Cooperation and Development. They got a report out called Employment Outlook 2010. There are 47 million unemployed in the OECD's 31 member countries, the world's most developed economies.
1: 31 okay. million people out of work?
0: 47 million. 47 million? No rosy glasses here. Ooh. Dude. That's a rate of 8.6% according to the May 2010 figures that compares with last year's May figures of 58 Ooh. Ooh and the United States get ready accounts for more than half of the jobs shed since 2007 10 million 10
1: million jobs what?
0: gone since 2007 and not Coming
1: back. Well, um, I think we have to thank President Clinton for sending a lot of jobs across the, oh, across that border. Remember the border? Oh, yeah, yeah. We certainly solved a lot of cross border problems by sending all of our, uh, uh, you know, manufacturing.
0: Yeah, I, Ross Perot talked about the great sucking sound. Well, no, maybe that great I, sucking mm. sound is just basically a reprise of the Clinton administration's job.
1: I mean, this is the thing about capitalism is if it's cheaper to make steel somewhere else, it's going to go somewhere else. So there are no steelworkers. If there are cars, and you can make them cheaper in a state that doesn't have a union, they're going to make it in the state. I mean, come on. That's the way the system works. So 10 million jobs, those are 10 million jobs. I would say they've all gone overseas. I think a lot of those jobs have just disappeared, that no one makes this stuff anymore.
0: Well, you know, there's 10 million people who used to be hanging by their fingernails on the bottom line, and they've fallen into the safety
1: net, which isn't there. You know, we've educated people so that they only know how to do one thing, yeah. for one for one thing. Yeah. I mean, kids who have only got a high school education, forget it, they're never going to get any job that requires math above 6th grade level which apparently nobody has. I mean, every graduate has to go to uh, exceptional math and and English school, so they just survive having gotten through middle school and high school. I mean, no wonder, no wonder you can't have – A society that performs complicated jobs unless you educate the kids so that they can do those things. That doesn't mean calculus, friends. It really doesn't. You know, long division. That'll do it.
0: Yeah, but all we're doing is sending long divisions to
1: Afghanistan. I forgot about them.
0: I've got Ace Hoffman on the phone, who is um, an independent uh, software designer, and he's the man that runs AnimatedSoftware.com. I want to make sure you get that URL, because we're going to go up there and take a look at Poison Fire USA, and it's a gas, so to speak. How are you, Ace?
2: I'm fine, thank you.
0: And, and am I talking to you down in Southern California? Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, I lived there for 43 years and I'm glad to be on Whidbey Island. I'm here in the middle of the forest with the deer and the, you know, and the blackberries and all that. So, but anyway, now Poison Fire USA is an animation that you have up on the web. Tell me about it. Tell me the background on it. And then as I start to run it, I will try to explain it to the uh, visually impaired radio audience. And of course, expect them to go up there and have fun themselves. What's behind all this?
2: a person wanted to do a documentary on uh on uh uranium poisoning in, in America mainly on native lands and they got hold of me through uh, uh one of the one of the activist groups uh because they knew I was a, a programmer and they wanted something that showed what the history of the poisoning had been and they gave me the phrase poison fire that's what the natives call radioactive poisoning. Uh-huh. And so I got hold of various activist groups and some books and things to gather up all of the information, every little piece that we could find. We wanted every mine, every uh, power plant, every nuclear explosion, everything, every, uh, every uh, research site, every university uh, nuclear reactor. We wanted to put everything in there and then see what
0: happens. It's a marvelous timeline. This is an animated timeline. You're looking at a topological uh, map of the United States, and you have these little icons like the uh, nuclear bomb blasts on continental U.S. Nice little bomb. And every time one is tested, of course, they were above ground at at Los Alamos, but then it's all underground stuff. Nuclear um, uh, research labs and weapon labs and uranium processing facilities and mines and low-level uh, waste dumps, and then it's got the two types of uh, nuclear plants, the boiling water reactors and the pressurized water reactors, and then down here, nuclear carriers, nuclear submarines, nuclear cruisers, and, and NASA rockets, and they all just kind of like go out to sea and they fly out. You're just going to love it. There's, You know what I like about this, Ace, is that dealing with such a deadly issue, an end-of-the-world issue, there's something so charming about the animation. You know, if you didn't know what it was all about, you'd think this was happy time. So I'm going to, I'm just going to start the animation here. And then as we're talking, you can just, well, I weren't in 1942 and this is going to go from 1941 to 2004,
2: right? Yeah. And I'll update it eventually to put the next 10 years in or whatever when I finally get around to it. But it does actually count up everything. So you have the total number of bomb blasts, the total number of reactors that have been opened and closed, the total number of nuclear submarines, nuclear carriers. It's unbelievable how many of these things we've built.
0: Oh, it is. I mean, there's zero submarines and zero carriers. I'm already in 1951. But all of a sudden, these guys are going to start flowing out of, what, New London, amongst other places.
2: Yeah, Yeah, you'll see it too two red ones come out. Those are the two that were lost. These actually... (laughs) Good Lord. Each yeah. of those point, uh, of those uh, icons that you see coming flying out, yeah. it, the program stores which submarine it was, what date it was launched, and so forth. It, yeah. The program knows a lot more information than it's presenting. Oh. That was something else that was going to go into an upgrade.
0: Well, there it is. Yeah, they're coming out, and they just can't get enough of them. And, of course, there's mines all over, and now we're beginning to see the advent of nuclear reactors because we're in 1962. Oh, there's the red one. <laughs> one of the two. Poor dear.
2: The mines, actually, there are hundreds more mines. It was impossible to do all the mines. They, they open, they close, they don't get officially recognized anywhere. Yeah. There are just hundreds and hundreds of mines. But other than that, it's pretty accurate.
0: Well, it's 1968 now, there's been 111 explosions off continental United States, 569, 77, 96. It keeps going, you know, bomb blasts. And we've got 95 nuclear submarines. And they're just 100. It just builds up. Oh, my God, the treasure treasure that we spend on all this stuff all right here they go they're just going to see so what you want to go to tell tell people how they get to this animation
2: well if they go to my homepage and then click on links yeah. l-i-n-k-s it's yeah. it's One of the links, and it's just called Poison Fire USA.
0: So they go up to animatedsoftware.com, and what Ace does is he you create um, animated pro educational animated programs all about the pump and all about the heart, and all and you know, as a way of using your I find the really wonderful animations as an educate as a teaching tool, right?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, that's how I started was to do the tutorial about the heart about 25 years ago. Uh huh. Well, and uh. So I've, I've stuck with educational software since then. The, in the links section, the one to the left of Poison Fire USA is uh, how nuclear reactors work. And even though I am totally against reactors, those are so accurate that I get calls or emails from all over the world from pro-nuclear organizations that want to use those animations. They they don't realize who they're dealing with, I guess.
0: Well, you know, they, they, they honestly think it's a good thing, right? And they they just love the fact that you're showing them in, in a nice, and as, as I say, a, a pleasing way of how these things work. Yeah, all the submarines and the cruisers are just pouring out. It's now 1996. Now, we've stopped blowing. blowing. Blowing things up in Nevada. Well, no, there was a couple right there. Oh, there's another one. They're not as big, but are we still testing underground?
2: They now are testing, they call them subcritical tests. And what exactly that means and whether or not there's any radiation is debatable. But I think some years it means something different from what it means other years. They changed the definitions of almost everything to suit their perceived uh, a societal impact.
0: Well, I, people, go on up to animatedsoftware.com, Ace Hoffman's site, and once you see it, if you like it, you know, send the link out. Make this go viral. It's probably gone viral already, but I really enjoy looking at it. Thank you very much, Ace. Uh, keep up the good work.
2: Thanks very much.